0: Good morning. Would you uh, join me in just uh, thanking the worship team for leading us well? Um, I'm, I'm about to just pray and end our service. Um, One thing I do want to address today just uh, in light of what Stu and Sam brought to you comes from 1 Thessalonians and has nothing to do with what we're going to talk about today in chapter 5 but says this but we request of you brethren that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction and that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work and um, as you Participate in email um, in the next week. I would encourage you to take advantage of that to encourage our dear brother in the way that he has served all of us. Um, My family would not be what it is today without the teaching of Larry Trotter for 10 years. Um, So please do that, please honor him well and uh, and give good feedback. Uh, that's important for us. So, with that said, let us pray. <laughs> Lord Jesus, we are so thankful for your grace and mercy this morning. As we have read and as we have sung, we we have tasted of something that we don't even come close to comprehending. That we have been bought back by the blood of Christ even while we were sinners. It is grace and grace and grace. And so today as we Look into your scriptures and long for you to teach us, Lord, we ask. Teach us to pray. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Two weeks ago, we uh, were in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6. And we're going to go back and pick up a, a section that we left out. We were talking about um, Jesus' teaching on giving, on prayer, and on fat, in, in fasting. And we realize that Jesus says throughout, when you give, when you pray, when you fast, that those were to be the markers of his disciples but there was a specific way to give and a specific way to pray and a specific way to fast and some warnings giving for ways that they shouldn't. And today we're going to um, tackle what my parents taught me as a little boy. They called the Lord's Prayer. Um, memorized it very early. And we're going to tackle that a little bit because um, within that, in Matthew 6, starting in verse 9, Jesus says, Pray this way, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You see, that was imprinted on my heart at a very young age. And I've realized two things about that prayer. One is, you can memorize that rote prayer and you can say it time and time again and fall into the trap of the warning that Jesus gave us to not pray like the pagans with meaningless repetition. So we can use the words of Jesus and pray it meaninglessly. And the second thing is that the depths and the vastness of this prayer will take a lifetime for us to mine and to pray effectively. And so when Jesus says, "Pray then this way," He's saying not ostentatious prayers like the hypocrites that he warned us of in verse five and six, or the faithless, thoughtless repetition of the pagans in verse seven and eight. No, he says, pray like me. See, Jesus, um, we had a discussion in our small group the other night and one of the guys keeps telling me, man, this Jesus, he really had some good stuff. He was a good teacher. We should probably listen to him. I'm amazed once again at how Jesus understands the power of example and model. And so in this prayer, in Jesus' model prayer, in verse 9 and 10, you can break it up into two parts. Verse 9 and 10, the prayer of God's glory and and the renown of his name. And that's what we're going to focus on today, just those two verses. In the second half, verses 11 through 15, the prayers for Good in our needs. And while ordinarily we bring our requests to God, we cry out under the stress and strain of our situation and cry out for God to rescue us and tell Him our needs, Jesus flips that thing upside down. He says, First, God's name, God's kingdom, and God's will. Then, Give us, forgive us, lead us, deliver us. So what is the lesson? The lesson is that true worship must be centered on the Father. The Father must be everything. And so today... That's what we're going to do. We're going to concentrate on God's glory in those first two verses. How do we pray that effectively? What does it mean to pray that? And then next week, Noah Joyner is going to come, and he's going to preach the the second half of the Lord's Prayer um, for us. So you won't want to miss that. But verse 9 says this. Jesus says, pray this way. Our Father who is in heaven... Hallowed be your name. So what is the significance of how Jesus teaches us to address God? Our Father. I spent three quarters of the week just on those two words. Luckily, you'll be spared most of that. To appreciate this word of adoration correctly, you have to remember The first century Jew would never, ever think of addressing God as our Father. It was too familiar, too irreverent, if you will. And so when we look at Jesus' model we see something different. And if you trace Jesus' prayer through the Bible, each one of his prayers, except for one, starts with Father. And that one exception is on the cross where he quotes the Old Testament and says, my God, my God. So this is Jesus' model, not only here in this section to his disciples, but throughout his life here on earth. So it's something to take very seriously. This invocation of our Father places us at once in the center of a wonderful, redemptive history of God. It puts us us right in the center of the gospel. We call him our Father just as Jesus did because if you look at Col- Colossians 1, 19 through 21, for it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in Him and through Him to reconcile all things to Himself, having made peace through the blood of His cross. Through Him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven, and, and although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet He has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach if indeed you continue in the faith firmly established and steadfast and not moved away from the hope of the gospel. The hope of the gospel helps us profess what Abraham and Moses only saw dimly, if at all, and when they pray, when we pray our Father, we confess to be his children. We are called to follow Jesus' example. To pray to the Father with tenderness and trust and respect. It's not irreverent. It's not irreverence. It's relationship. Because our relationship has been drastically changed by what Jesus has done. For all, Romans 8, 14 and 15 say, For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons, by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. So those who have trusted in Christ... For the forgiveness of their sins. Are sons of God. By adoption. Have you ever just meditated on that for a little while? You and I. The sinful creatures that we are. Adopted. Into the family of the sovereign God of the universe. Through the suffering and the stripes of his son. We who are far off have been brought near. If that does not take your breath away, you really need to go home and read this some more. People like you and I, unworthy as we are, by grace, have been adopted, chosen to be in God's family. It's an amazing thing. And that the Spirit of God would indwell our hearts and give us permission to call Him Daddy. Daddy unbelievable. Yet most of us in this room, while we testify to that adoption, while we with our minds say, yes, Jeff, yes, I understand what you're saying. Live and pray without any connection to that reality. I used to play a game with my dad and um, often was like this. He would take some coins out of his pocket and he would put them in his hand and he would sit in the chair in the living room and I would jump up into his lap and I would try to pry his fingers apart and he would hold on to it and laugh and giggle and you know and I would do everything I could to figure out how to manipulate his hands to get the coins out of his hands cuz the rules say when you when you get in that hand you get what's in the hand right so you know, I'm prying, we're playing, we're having a good time. And finally, he would release his hand often and uh, let me have the reward. And I would jump down out of his lap and run away, just as excited and happy as could be because I had a couple pennies. <laughs> just a game, just a childish game. But often, our prayers and our relationship to God are the same thing. You see, we often approach God for the prize that he holds in his hand. And we pray, God, I need a passing grade. Help me study. You are all knowing. Please, Lord Jesus. God, I need a job. I can't provide for my family. God, I'm sick as a dog. I need you to heal me. God, I need, I need, I need what's in your hand. We work every angle to pry away the fingers of God to get pennies. And when God grants us the request, just like me, we jump down out of his lap and we run away just as happy as could be. But remember verse eight from the last time? Therefore do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Just a game, just a childish game. You see my game with my dad was childish and I missed the point because if I would have realized the wealth of love and relationship that could have been mine I would have stayed in his lap and soaked it up because the coins were usually wasted on a frivolous thing anyway piece of bubble gum something that's here and gone but the real reward was the love and presence of my Father. And Jesus is teaching us that more important than the gifts that are in God's hand is God Himself a restored relationship. And one where you went from being an enemy to being in the family and able to call him daddy. Jesus says that I am the way, the truth, and the life and no one comes to the father but through me. Today, can you pray this prayer honestly? Can you pray our Father inclusively. Is the Spirit in your heart does it testify to your adoption? Do you really understand today the access and privilege that you have as a child of God? Because that's what prayer is all about. And that's what Jesus wants us to see. It's about access and privilege. It is about restoration of intimate fellowship with the Heavenly Father. It's about love and presence, the presence of the Father. Therefore, when you go to God in prayer, through the hope of the gospel, the first thing in our hearts and out of our mouths should be a worshipful refrain. Our Father who is in heaven in the second part of that verse hallowed be thy name or as one four year old put it how do you know my name you get very interesting interpretations when you do this memory with with your little kids you can get a lot of fun stuff to work with um what does hallow mean anyway? Does anybody use that word anymore? That doesn't roll right off your tongue in everyday language. Um, so it, it's something we really probably should think about for a minute. It means to sanctify. It means to treat as holy. And basically what Jesus is teaching us here is he's, he's teaching us when we pray, we are to pray that our Father would cause his name to be treated as holy. And Pastor John Piper is very helpful for me in this area. He says, Hallowed be thy name is a request, not a declaration. When we pray this way, we are not saying, Lord, your name is hallowed. We are saying, Lord, cause your name to be hallowed. That is, cause your word to be believed. Cause your displeasure to be feared. Cause your commandments to be obeyed. Cause yourself to be glorified. You hallow the name of God when you trust him, obey him, and glorify him. So Jesus is telling us the highest goal in in, in our prayer life is not so much that we would be made holy. The highest goal is rather that God's name would be hallowed and that our holiness would be a byproduct of that. You see, because when you trust and you obey and you glorify him, guess what? God's name is hallowed, you become holy. It's an amazing way, amazing thing that happens. We are to pray and remove ourselves from the central focus and replace it with the name of God and to raise it high. And Jesus gave us another example in John 12, 28, when he prayed, Father, glorify your name. This is how we pray in line with God's mission This is how we pray in our life. We pray with God's redemptive scope in front of us. His name, that he would be trusted and obeyed. That he would be glorified in the houses across the street from you, all throughout our community in Wake Forest, to the nation, to the ends of the earth. We pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. But not only that, there's a very personal dimension here as well because when we pray this, we are asking God to hallow his name not only in the world and around us, but we're asking him to do that in our lives as well. We're requesting that he would cause us to trust him. That we would trust his word and obey him and glorify him in all things. So how does this part of the Lord's prayer connect back to our life. As we have seen, we have this wonderful relationship that we've been given. And Pastor Kim Hemphill writes this and he he does a great job of connecting this part of the Lord's prayer to real life. And he says, it is the reminder that I bear the family name everywhere I go. That what I do casts a reflection on the name of my Father. Therefore, in the morning when I get up, and in frequent times throughout the day, I pray, Father, hallowed be your name in my life, in your people's lives. It's the kind of prayer I find rewarded when the cleaners have ruined one of my shirts and I'm tempted to take my anger out on the girl at the cash register. Hallowed be your name. I don't want the stain of my bad witness to come off on Christ. It's the kind of prayer I find rewarded when, I, when I'm away from home and anonymous in an airport magazine shop. Hallowed be your name. I don't want my eyes to lead me astray or give me away. This is our model. This is how we're to pray. Not the rote words, but the heart that we would make much of God, that we would understand our relationship and privilege to Him. We don't wanna be caught playing childish games with God. Whether that's to pray in front of people to be seen or to pray meaningless repetition. We want to follow the model of Christ and to pray this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. In verse 10, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you really understand what Jesus is telling us to pray when he says, thy kingdom come? Pray thy kingdom come. Pray that God's kingdom would come. I confess to you, I'm still learning what that really means. I'm not sure I grasp it all. The kingdom of God is the dynamic reign of God ushered in by Jesus' ministry and consummated in his return. So when we pray your kingdom come, We are asking God to draw redemptive history to a close and establish his kingdom. We're asking for Jesus to come swinging a sword and purge from our midst all wickedness and evil as Revelation 19 tells us. We are asking for God to create a new heaven and a new earth and a holy city. As Revelation 21 tells us, He will. And we are asking for the redemption of men and women from every tribe, tongue, and nation. All of this being accomplished by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus. So when we pray, Your kingdom come, we are praying for the mission of God to be completed the full redemption and restoration of all things to the way it was before the fall. And I must confess to you today, I don't pray that often enough. And I think it's because I have citizenship issues. I'm not sure I want that yet. Yeah, it looks great at the end of my Bible for something that's going to happen later on. I'm too familiar with my sin. I'm too attached to the stuff of this world that that's a very hard prayer for me to pray. But, God calls us to we are not citizens of this world we have been adopted and born into a citizenship that is eternal that is internally intimate with the Father and so praying that thy kingdom would come would be praying the best thing for us But we would be in danger of playing the hypocrite if we did all of this and didn't think about this on a personal level as well. For when we pray your King to come, we are also praying, Father, rule my life and be my king. We are praying, purge all wickedness and evil, not only from this world, but from me. Create in me a new heart, a new mind, a new body. And use me, Father, for your redemptive mission in the lives of the people here and around the world. Do your work through me. So we pray collectively as a church, come Lord Jesus. And the second half of this verse, basically, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, is essentially praying the same thing. We are praying that our life and the life of everyone who inhabits the earth would do the will of God as it is in heaven, perfectly. We are praying for the kingdom of the reign of God. So, today, as we think and honor Christ and want to pray like him. Jesus um, instituted another model, another example. At the Last Supper when He took a loaf of bread and he blessed it and he prayed and he broke it and he said this is my body broken for you take and eat in remembrance of me so the things that we are to be praying in the Lord's prayer we are to remember at the table that Christ's body was broken for you and for me That we may be reconciled to the Father, our Father, who is in heaven. That same night, Jesus took a cup and he blessed it and he said, This is the blood of the new covenant. Take and drink and do this in remembrance of me. So when we drink of this new covenant, we drink in remembrance of the blood that was shed to buy us, to purchase us, and to purchase people from every tribe, tongue, and nation that would be around the throne of God So the table is open to anyone who has trusted in Christ's sacrifice for them, who is walking in fellowship with Him. And if if that's not you today, I would just ask that you would sit and pray and ask God to show Himself to you.